Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Soberlink. The Soberlink system is designed to make parenting time safer with real-time remote alcohol monitoring. Soberlink uniquely combines a breathalyzer with wireless connectivity and is the only system that includes facial recognition, tamper detection, and advanced reporting. Parents can submit a test anytime, anywhere, thanks to Soberlink's wireless technology, which delivers test results by text message or email to the concerned parties. Simplify co-parenting arrangements by using the system that provides transparency and proof of sobriety throughout the day. Flexible schedules combined with real-time delivery of results make Soberlink the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology. To learn more or sign up today, visit Soberlink.com backslash family dash law. Use promo code BEYOND20 to receive $50 off a device. Hello and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process. So listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today is a very special edition of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I have a new friend with me. I met her recently when I did an author event with our friend Jill Sharer Murray. Many of you probably remember Jill's episode on the unstoppable power of letting go. Um, so I was doing her event and one of her fellow authors was uh, was also there and I met Cindy Rossico and we... Um, they didn't have much of a chance to speak then, but since then we've spoken and I've had an opportunity to read her book. So Cindy's joining us today. I think this is going to be a really fascinating journey for you, my listeners, whether you're going through divorce or any changes or just to hear Cindy's, Cindy's path through a spiritual journey. So let me tell you a little bit about Cindy. She's a writer and a retired psychotherapist, and I can see little elements of retired psychotherapist in the book, definitely, having dealt with psychotherapists for so many years in my career. Uh, but she is also the author of Finding Venerable Mother, a Daughter's Spiritual Quest to Thailand. So this is the book. I, I've read it twice now. You know I love reading books. And this one was honestly such a pleasure to read. It's first off a very easy read. It's one of those reads where you get into the story. And I read it again for the second time yesterday in the in the one day. Um, it's not, it's not uh, a difficult read. And it's so enjoyable. It really transports you 
to Thailand, which is one of, I was telling Cindy, that's one of my bucket place, bucket list places. And I think I might get there next year. Um, the book is a number one bestseller on spirituality and on Amazon and an international book awards finalist. So um, you, we'll be talking about how you can find the book, but today we're going to talk to Cindy about some of the lessons in the book. Again, whether you're going through divorce or not, the, the lessons in the book, the, the messages in the book, and Cindy's own spiritual quest, I think, has something for all of us. So, th Cindy, thank you so much for joining me. A pleasure to be here. So, one of the things that I just found really interesting about the book is you didn't really set out to write a book. This, I think, started as an article that sort of built out, and the article just started as something to do while you were in Thailand. You were you found yourself in a situation where you had a lot of free time, and so I, I just would love to hear a, a little brief description of how the book came to be. Sure. Well, let me just give a little background to the context to the book. Um, my then husband and my 13-year-old son and I moved to Thailand in 2005. We were there for three years while my husband had an expat assignment. Um, basically, if you've ever had that experience of going to a new culture, it kind of throws you at first because you're away from all your friends and family. You don't have, if you were working before, you don't have the ritual and the structure of your job. So basically, I went looking for a, something to involve myself in. And there's a lot of different volunteer opportunities. But one thing I did was attend a conference first thing, and it was an aid to women in development. And I attended a conference called Faith, Feminism, and the Power of Love. And in that conference, there was a panel between two women who were very um, kind of in a tough debate with each other about the value of Islam and the lives of poor women. So after that tension broke, there was a silence in the room. And into that stepped Dhammananda Bhikkhuni. She's a tall woman for a Thai. She has, of course, shaven head, wire rim glasses, and saffron robes. And she spoke up in a very quiet voice and said, we cannot solve anything with anger. Anger doesn't lead us anywhere. It is much harder to practice loving kindness and compassion. That is the goal of Buddhism. And it was like a bell went off in my inside. You know, when you've had that experience where someone really uh, just lights up your soul, Yes. And I felt very uh, drawn to her. And that was the beginning of my contact with her. After that weekend, we went down for the weekend. Uh, me and uh, myself and another uh, woman from the conference went down. And that was my first weekend I spent with her. What I can say about writing the book was it started off as an... Um, a, I was really drawn to Dhammananda for her strength and her courageous stance. She was the first woman to be ordained in Thailand in the Thai Theravada tradition because to this day, they don't allow women to be ordained. And the BBC named her in October, just a year ago, one of a hundred of the most influential and important women in the world for her work in this area. 
So I felt I really want to share the beauty and value of my teacher. So I started writing a biography about her. But when I did write this, and by the way, this was when I was going through mediation and divorce. It was the year of 2019. My editor, developmental editor said, "Um, I think you're writing more about your relationship to her than about her life. And so that seemed to be the launching point that I had. I wanted to, I wanted to write about her and I did to some degree, but it was more about my, as you said, my spiritual journey. So that's how the book came to be written. And I've always wanted to write a book and within the framework of what I wrote was uh, something Dominanda said, in order to heal as a woman, you need to heal the mother-daughter relationship. And that was an exploration I did throughout this book. And I wanted to provide hope and healing to women to understand that they too, if you had a fraught relationship with your mother for any reason, they too can heal the mother-daughter relationship through the love, unconditional love and acceptance, in my case, of a spiritual mentor. People have many different mentors in their lives, an aunt, a friend, a sister, a cousin, uh, someone who really is there for you in a difficult time and really loves you unconditionally. I think that's kind of the key to it. Yeah, so I really well, and, rambled there. <laughs> no, no, because, well, and I think that part of it is that there are so many lessons in the book. You know, I, I, I was jotting down some of my thoughts as I was reading it again yesterday. And it's, you know, it's about change, whether that change is welcome or not. It's about fear. It's about issues of family of origin. You mentioned the mother-daughter relationship, but I think there's powerful messages in here for men as well. Um, mm-hmm. Your journey happens to be a, a woman's journey, but I think, you know, that some of these, these, lessons are so powerful. Um, and even, you know, the power of letting go to, to hearken back to our friend, Jill. So one right. of the things that, you know, and, and people may remember this from my interview with Jill, when we talked about her book, Big Wild Love, was that there's so much that for an interview, it's very hard to hit on everything that I would love to talk about in the book. Um, in Jill's case, I, I picked on one chapter here. As I went through the book, there were three sort of paragraphs in different locations in the book that spoke on topics that, for me, I think will really reach out to the people who are listening, um, whether, again, they're going through divorce or any other change or fear or letting go or or just looking for that spiritual journey or or path for themselves. So what I'd like to do is just read each one of those paragraphs and then get your input uh, because the words are, although I want people to sort of hear um, your words in the book, it's so beautifully written. And I know it's normally the author who's reading, but what I'd love to get is your input on these passages. So the the first passage is on page 105 and it's about change. Change brings about a profound sense of loss and a longing for parts of ourselves that have gone missing. We search frantically for our identity in the face of uncertainty. Perhaps that's why we embark on this spiritual journey to uncover who we are in the process of becoming. Now that's, I think, definitely going to be ringing a bell out there for people. 
So why don't you tell us the, the story behind that or the message behind that? Well, I think that, and I refer now to divorce, there's such an upheaval in our lives and everything that we're used to in our lives. In my case, I was married for 34 years. That's a long time going to bed at night, having a companion, uh, missing having someone when I'm having my meals. There are little habits that we I meant to say that we have, but I said perform, which is interesting. Yeah. We, we don't even always know, we're not always conscious of what is ingrained with us and what we've become accustomed to. So when change comes about, there's this just whole panic and terror in the face of loss. Of It's almost like losing our identity, losing our sense of self, losing our sense of anchor in the world. And that's where I think spirituality comes in. Because when we have a spiritual source or something to believe in, I would call it a faith, my, spirit, my sense of spirituality um, is of something greater and larger than ourselves. And I have a sort of a cute example from apparently I was looking for this since I was very young. I was four and I was sitting in the yard with my bigger brother who was five and I turned to him and I remember this conversation and asked him where is God and he said everywhere and I thought that's wonderful. I'll just go searching in the bushes and it just gave me this sense of there's something out there that's looking out after me that's bigger than me and unites me with something that I just feel a sense of belonging. And when you're in the midst of a, a profound change, we need that sense of spiritual anchor. We need that sense of a person, a group, a friend, a network, something that can guide us because it's really... Um, that's what's interesting about the spiritual path. It's a dive into the unknown. And once you free yourself to say, I don't know what the bleep is going on. <laughs> I'm just going to go with this and follow my heart. The whole basis of change for me has been tuning into my heart. Who am I? What do I want? What am I looking at now? Because for so long, I, perhaps we've done, some of us as men has done this too, but as women, it was my job and the family to take care of others, to be mindful of what they were feeling, to not get angry, to not upset, to not turn over the, you know, knock the glass off the, of water off the table. But as we become older and wiser and more, I think we become more courageous and stronger within ourselves to say, I'm willing to take that next step. And what does the path look like ahead of us? Not a clue. As my friend says, heel toe, heel toe, walking one foot in front of the other. And sometimes that's what it is. And sometimes I remember getting up at 8.30 in the uh, I got up earlier than that, but talking to a friend, I talked to her every day. There was one summer I was having a really hard time. All it ever came down to is what are you going to do for yourself today? How are you going to get through the day? 
And that sense of certainly it helps once you get a meditation practice or something where you can begin to calm the mind, where you can begin to tune into your deeper self. But not all of us have that. And there are resources and support networks. And all I can say is, don't try to do this alone. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's not a journey to be taken alone. And the spiritual path, in my case, was helpful to me. I had the courage to take the leap of faith. I've always had that. I can't explain why. And to know that even though there's fear there, it's okay to accept the fear feel it and take the next step. I think and sometimes that's, it's as simple as that. Yeah, that's so beautiful because I do think that for people experiencing change, you know, I, I'm thinking of we're taping this during the COVID era. We know we're all experiencing mm -hmm. that. And we are in, many of us are in limbo. Our lives have gone New, undergone numerous change. It's not just one change. It's it's every day we're being hit with a new mm -hmm. change. And what I've noticed for many people is change equals fear, as you just said. And uh, so that your point about just being able to take that deep breath and still step into the change, step into the future, step into the fear with an understanding that it is going to be okay. Um, but finding a tether too, I love that point. For you, your tether that your tether was your spirituality and your path. Um, but for other people, you also mentioned speaking to a friend every day. I mean, it can be that simple. Um, it's the not going it alone. Um, so I love that, 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 you know, that point for people who are listening. Um, the uh, that and that's actually a good segue into the next quote. And this one really jumped out at me. I underlined it, I starred it, I circled it. But I know this one for people who are going through divorce or any difficult time. I re this one's really going to speak to them, and it maybe has a little, you know, it's our mind. So this is about our minds and the power of our thoughts. I I, I think. So this is page 123 in the book. The mind goes nonstop. If the mind dwells on something really heavy, she explained, the body cannot carry it. Something that hurt us five years ago, the mind still dwells on it. It is the mind that makes us happy or suffer. This is how the untrained mind behaves, feeling the painful experience again and again. And this is something I mentioned to you before we started taping. As a divorce attorney, as a divorce professional, one of the saddest parts of my uh, my work with people is when I see them stuck either during the divorce process or for years after mm -hmm. in the sadness or the hurt or the fear or whatever their emotional content was of the divorce, and it's never gone away. They're reliving it every single day. So there was so much power in that particular paragraph for me uh, because those what we say to ourselves in our head has so much power. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I think what came up for me is that the pain is real. The pain of loss and suffering is real. And so much so that what I see in some people, they 
don't have the wherewithal for whatever reason to feel their grief. And I think grief is a natural process of loss. Myself, I can share a story. Um, the way I feel grief, my energy slows down. It's like moving through deep water. Um, you don't feel your normal self. You're not as spontaneous or happy or lively. If we try to short circuit that process, I think there's a tendency to get stuck in it for years. Um, I can't say that for sure because I'm just, I don't know, I'm just giving thoughts off the top of my head. But basically, there's two sections to this answer. One is, uh, please do take the time if you need support to feel your grief and loss, feel that. People who rush into new relationships, it's hard, you know, because it's hard for that relationship to, to succeed because there's a lot of unresolved feelings that haven't had a chance to manifest. We're human after all. We need to feel the sense of feelings and loss and go through that process. But then once we have felt those feelings, there's also a tendency, I think of the mind like a hamster in the brain. Exactly. We replay the hurtful, we replay the hurtful scene. Yeah, I think this, there was a whole, there's a whole story with my father that I don't write about in the book. But when Dominanda was speaking to me, I think what she said, the, the whole quote was, um, when you look into the water, deep into the water, and you see the the quiet pool of your reflection, you'll be able to, <clears throat> excuse me, you'll be able to say, oh, I know you, I recognize you, I don't need you anymore, and let go. And there were, she's, you know, that's what happens with a very insightful teacher. They read you without you knowing it and give you tips that will help you. But I think what I'm saying is um, at some point, it is important to move on because otherwise we suffer. We hold on to that painful feeling and the pain drags us down. I'm taking a new meditation class and one of the things we're looking at again is habits, habits of mind, thoughts that keep recirculating. It's just as easy to go out, take a walk, see a flower. I remember Dominanda saying this also, Oh, I haven't seen you before. You're so beautiful. She was talking to a flower and I'm All thinking, right. wow, that's cool. Um, just letting in the beauty that there are other things going on around us. And by the way, during COVID and during, and we're pre-election here, there's a lot of anxiety and tension. You have to be pretty practiced to not feel the collective anxiety. And I myself don't don't claim to be beyond it. We all get affected. But if at some point during your day, you can take a deep breath, look at your look at the orchid that you have in your house, um, take a deep breath, stop for a minute, reset, try to reset that mind, mind frame. It is possible to move beyond it and to see something in a different framework or perspective. Well, that, I love, um, we just recently had Dr. Elizabeth Cohen on talking about 
depression and anxiety um, as those meld with divorce and COVID. So it's kind of, I called it the perfect storm. It's just, yeah, yeah, it's just a very difficult time, uh, times 10 for people right now. And she talked about something very similar. She said, if you're feeling that anxiety and that fear in that moment, the one thing you can do for yourself is remind yourself, one, you're safe in this moment right now as you sit here and then feel, you know, just feel where you are, feel your feet on the floor and your tushy in the chair and, and know that in this one moment, you're okay. And, and, and it was powerful. And the, this, this running dialogue in our minds brought up something for me that I um, hadn't even realized I had been doing, but it made me think of it. And it's one of the reasons why I think I circled this so much beyond the fact that I work with people so often who are stuck in the hamster wheel of thoughts about their divorce. I recently went through it. Well, not so recently, but I I moved to a place that I didn't particularly want to move to. And the, the, dialogue that went on inside my head was, I hate this place. I hate this place. I hate this place. And without ever giving myself a chance to like this place, like this place, like this place. And it wasn't until I, I took that moment to take a walk in my new neighborhood. And instead of seeing maybe what I didn't like, start seeing those few things I did like, which may have been a daffodil coming up in my neighbor's garden or somebody walking their puppy in the dog park across the street or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's where I started to realize the power of my own thoughts and that they were, I was holding myself back with my little gerbil or hamster wheel of repetitive, I hate this place, I hate this place. So that that was one of the reasons that that particular um, chapter or, or section really spoke to me. But then the last one, and I think we've almost sort of touched on this, but the last is is really a hopeful paragraph. Mm. It's a paragraph of, that to remind us all, and, and uh, that, and that here I'll start quoting. It's on page two hundred one. Nothing is permanent. I I underlined and bolded that, right? Start looking at things in a new fashion. We never see things as they really are. Start to notice the beauty in little things. It's very refreshing. We always expect happiness in life. Sometimes happiness is the way you see things. There's always more than one way to look at things. And that's, you know, sort of what we were just talking about. But it's also... Maybe a, you know, a a thought for people to hold on to that if they're in fear in the moment or in grief in the moment, nothing is permanent. This will pass. And I think you've experienced that yourself recently, you know, with the journey of your divorce. I, I know you mentioned in an article you wrote for Divorced Moms that I'll link to in the show notes um, that it took time and a belief in yourself to move past the fear. Yes, and um, it did. I think I was in fear, and I mean panic, for about six months. And you know what happened? I lived through it. Nothing is permanent. That was, that was my conclusion. Yeah. 
And it just did. And I remember my therapist saying to me, because I was debating whether I would want to leave or not. And it was a big decision after 34 years. And finally, and she said, don't worry, you'll get when the when you get when you get clear, you'll know. And it was true. I felt it within all my being. Um, But also what I wanted to say is um, that fear and faith, I think, kind of go hand in hand. And one of the messages that I wanted to get across in this book, and here's, here's the challenge for us today. How do we maintain an open heart? How do we go forward with an open heart in the face of all these challenges? We've talked about COVID, you know, we're getting bombarded all the time. What do we do when we're getting bombarded? We constrict. How do we maintain an open heart and an open mind and go forward? That was the beauty of my spiritual teacher. That's what she taught me. Um, There is something about going forward with a truly open heart that allows us to find love forgiveness and faith in a way that isn't possible when we're closed down. And it's not exactly a choice. It's not exactly a conscious choice, but it's something that we can be aware of when we're, like you were saying, negative thoughts, those negative thoughts, when we're frightened and scared, tune in, slow down, one of the things that I was taught and which is the most difficult thing for all of us is <clears throat> how to stay in the present because present time is all we have. And, you know, people say that and I want to say, it's not that easy. <laughs> not. It's not that easy. No. It's not only in the future or in the past, but that's, what can help us guide us forward is that heel toe, heel toe. Feel your foot on the ground. Take a walk around your neighborhood, just like you did, and try to find the beauty in what is around us because that therein lies our hope. I think we all care. Well, I can't speak for everyone, but most of us want a peaceful, joyful uh world to to walk in and by modeling that open frame of mind I think people respond I notice when I'm having a really good day when I'm feeling really open people just people light up when you light up Mm -hmm. and that's about all we have we just have ourselves and what we can aspire to and it's not always possible There are moments when we feel just total despair, and I understand that. But there are also moments that we can hang on to when we're feeling okay, even happy, even joyful. And that's to be celebrated. It reminds me, I had a therapist once several years ago who would talk about benchmark moments. Um, And he would always say when something happens and you're having one of those moments, whether it's a little burst of joy over looking out the window and seeing the sunrise or a hummingbird float by or whatever it might be, or a truly joy, you know, some big event in life, he said, but just 
notice them in your mind that this is a benchmark mark moment. My husband and I will still do that and say that out loud to each other when we're doing something. We'll go, oh, this is a benchmark moment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's something to hold on to when there are less than benchmark moments going on in our lives as well. Um, mm-hmm. those little moments of, of joy or a little burst. I, I, the therapist, I think, called them bursts of joy. And I liked that. I was like, that's fantastic. That's and you start to recognize it more and find more of them. I think it's like where people say to do, um, each night to find five things that you're grateful for. Mm-hmm. And then as I started to do that, I found more things to be grateful for. And during my day, I would go, oh, that's something that I'm going to put in my in my gratitude journal tonight. And I would start to be recognizing gratitude throughout my day. I think the bursts of joy are another of those or the benchmark moments. That's yeah. what I thought. I love of that gratitude were. practice. Thank you for mentioning that. Made a huge difference in my my life. And I feel, you know, I feel that every day when I'm finding those gratitude moments. Um and the little teeny ones and the and the big ones. And I think we have those all in our lives. Um sometimes it's just hard to see them. And, you know, one thing I did want to touch on um, as we're coming to the close, but you mentioned earlier that you recently, after 34 years of marriage, um, went went through a divorce yourself. And that's recently within this past year. Um, and, you know, for people who are in marriages of over 30 years, they the term is silver divorce or gray divorce. But it, there, that is the fastest rising segment of divorce in the United States. It's on um, the largest um, number of divorces. It's a little hard to tell right now because during COVID, some people can't file and there's all kinds of things going on. But, um, you know, you mentioned your fear and living in that fear. Um, and I'm just wondering... Um, what more you might want to say, because fear is the number one emotion I think people feel when they go right. through a divorce. Um, so I'd love to just get some more thoughts from you on on handling that fear, because you said earlier you went through about six months of solid fear. Um, basically, how I handled it was through a very strong network of friends and my therapist. I think I was up to two or three times a week with my therapist, which may sound ridiculous to some people. But I clung to that. Um, And I want to say that this journey doesn't start, didn't start for me in my marriage. My, My difficulties with fear started when I was probably four or five years old. I learned to defend myself within my family, which had, as all families do, its insanities. Some people were lucky they didn't have the same family, but that wasn't me. I don't know anyone who doesn't. Um, yeah. So, um, anyway, I probably spent a long, long time, both as a therapist, studying myself in psych, my own personal therapy, and with other people. To me, I'm constantly learning and growing. Life is a continual, lifelong educational experience. I didn't know that I could get over my fear. I'd always stopped myself. And I had bad panic attacks. I had um, habits. I don't remember what they are now because I'm not so involved in that. But ways that I could describe that I'd get frozen. And 
the only thing I can say is that over time, my journey has been to trust myself more, to get beyond those voices, to get beyond those negative voices that are in my head, the critical voices telling me I can't do it, I'm no good, whatever they are. And those aren't easy voices to combat. They're strong. And I guess I have to say it took me a long time. I'm not a quick learner. I'm 69. And I would say that my great breakthroughs, and this is very hopeful for people. You don't have to wait till you're 68 or 69. <laughs> Somebody, I have a really wise friend at the age of 30. So yeah. some people are just that way. But to trust yourself on a very deep level, to begin to know that you can survive, that the feelings aren't permanent, that the wave, the tsunami that's coming over you will retreat. Um, I do think, maybe it's just, I don't think I'm a Pollyanna, but I do feel that with constant growth, um, awareness about ourselves and hope. And that's something you can't really assign to people, but I, that goes for me with maintaining an open, open heart. Begin to know that there will be a tomorrow. There will be another day. We will get through this. And that's what my therapist constantly told me. You will get through this. You don't know that. I didn't know that at the time. But I learned that she was right. I, I, I think we have to end on that because it's so perfect. Yes. Um, <laughs> that, will, that will be the Instagram quote of the week. But it's one, I mean, it's such a wonderful book, Cindy. Um, I, I so truly, I, I, I'm so happy that I met you at the, the author event because it brought the book into my life. And as I said, I, I feel richer for having experienced your experiences through your eyes and through your words. So I encourage everybody to get the book. If people would like to know more about you or find your book, what's the best way to do that? You can just go simply to cindyrossico.com. That's C-I-N-D-Y-R-A-S-I-C-O-T.com. And, and all the information is on my website. You can also actually hear an interview with Dominando, which is quite interesting. I started listening. I did, haven't had a chance to finish, but I will have links to everything in the show notes. And you mentioned earlier, um, before we started taping, that you are available for book groups. Yes, I am available for book discussions. And always, if you will, write a review on Amazon if you, re if you buy the book. It's very helpful for authors. And um, just to put a shout out, I'm doing something on November 18th at 7 o'clock with a group called Inside LA, which is a meditation and mindfulness center in Los Angeles. I actually will be interviewing Dominanda live. And it'll be on very contemporary issues of COVID, the election, social justice. It's really interesting to hear a Buddhist uh, framework around these uh, challenging issues that we're facing. Is is that going to be a live event? Not yes, with Dominanda, but you'll be, because I have two very close friends uh, in Los Angeles that I need to introduce you to. Um, Libby Lidecker, Daya Carr, who... Um, 
is uh, a Kundalini yogi, and uh, oh. my everyone out there who's listening knows my friend Kate Anthony, who's the um, the host of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, and they both live in uh, Los Angeles, and I think they'd be fascinated. So, Kate and Libby, if you're out there. <laughs> I'm, but I, I'll be introducing you because I think they'll be fascinated. And I'll put a link to the event in the show notes as well. Yeah, I'm not sure it's up yet, but it will be. I'll, I'll email you when it okay. gets up, so don't worry about it. Yeah. Okay, and we'll put it out on the um, Divorce and Beyond Instagram as well. So if people right. are looking for it, go to Divorce. Follow at Divorce and Beyond on Instagram, and, and we put everything out there. So, Cindy, thank you so much. Thank this was so a much. wonderful experience from start to finish for me. And I'm, I'm truly grateful for your book and your experience. So thank you. So thank you. I'm just delighted and appreciate your feedback. <laughs> thank you. Have a good day. You too. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.